We know that we are compelled by Christ to move beyond just these four walls as a church. And we want to be a church that continues to look beyond our walls with the love of Jesus to bless the socks off this community. And as a church, we feel led to be a church that is for the good of our city. Hi, everybody. I'm Bill Stevens. I am the lead pastor here at Ascent. And it is really fun to, to get to be with all of you guys today, especially in the middle of this series that we've been in on. If you haven't listened to them so far, go back and listen to, to Quincy and to John and the first two that, that we did. We're calling this the in-between. It's, it's these moments, these, these beautiful moments where heaven and earth come together. And, and I was telling John this last week after his talk, I said, as I'm listening to you, I just became more and more curious. I just, I, I, was, I was thinking through the fact that we talk all the time about love your neighbor. And we say, you know, we got to lead with love. But what does that actually mean? And do we actually really recognize that every single interaction we have, Every time we're talking to the, to the grocer at the grocery store or, or it's someone that you're working with or it's your spouse or it's your kid, it's someone that you like or someone that you don't like, it's someone you agree with and someone you don't agree with, all of those opportunities, those are opportunities for us to see heaven and earth come together. And, and, and I loved how John and Quincy talked about it, how it's, it's kind of a thin line there that we miss a lot of times. But when those two come together, do we see it? If we saw it, would it affect the way we're approaching a conversation? If you're in a conversation with somebody and you disagree with them, and it's, it's a theological conversation, would, would recognizing this as heaven and earth coming together, would that help us to see each other better and listen to each other better and walk with each other better? When you're, when you're super frustrated with someone, and, but you know, this is a heaven and earth moment, would, would it change our perspective? When you're working with your kids and you're frustrated and exhausted because your kids are tiring you out, when you see heaven and earth moments, would that change the way you interact with each other? I just love it how John, last week John said, I'm so tired of, of, of people thinking that there is the secular and the spiritual. When this is God's kingdom where he's going, man, no, every moment, there are moments through every single day where heaven and earth are touching each other. And are we seeing that? And then are we responding? And what's that look like in a response of heaven and earth coming together? So I've been curious about this all along, but it, we, we can miss it. We can miss it. And you guys, a couple of weeks ago, I almost missed a really cool heaven and earth moment. I almost missed it. Here's what was happening. My daughter, Abby, you guys, if you know my family, my four kids are so different. And Abby, man, Abby is just our little ball of creativity. And, and here, you're gonna grab that. Perfect, thank you. You guys, she is an artist. And she, the thing she has in her head that she puts down on paper is amazing. She is a, a, a crocheter. I think that's what you call it. Maybe, maybe a knitter. Is it? She crochets, okay? You guys, she made this octopus. She just made it, you guys. And, and we see the things that she does and we're going, you need to start an Etsy store. I mean, you can sell this thing for a lot of money. No, dad, I just do it for fun. No, no, you got to start making money off of this stuff. You know, we need it. So, so she, but she just, she is a beautiful artist. Well, here's what happened. A couple of weeks ago, she said, dad, I want to go to the Comic-Con conference. Okay. 
the Comic-Con Conference. If you don't know what that is, it's a bunch of people that come together because they love comics and they love Marvel and they love anime and they love Pokemon. And, and so they all come together. It's like 10,000 of them. And that's just barely scraping the surface of really what it is. But they all come together and a lot of them dress up. They, they, they put costumes on and, 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 and we took Abby down there. It was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We took her down there for the first couple. And, and we're Jackie and I are just looking at these people going in. If you want to do some people watching, man, go down there during the Comic-Con conference and, and just watch from the outside. It is unbelievable watching these. It's a, it's a 10,000 person Halloween party. And they're all going in there and we're watching it. We drop Abby off. And she goes in and she, she's going to try to meet up with a friend from that she met at Front Range Community College. And so we're, we thought, okay, just go on in there. I hope you find them. And, and so she's in there. And then she comes back out. And the next day we drop her off again. When we picked her up on Saturday night, I told Jackie, I said, Jackie, I feel like I got to go. I feel like I got to go to this conference. I feel like, like it's so, you guys, it is so far off my radar. So far off my radar. I, it's, it is way off the radar, but it's on her radar. And if it's on her radar, it needs to be on mine. And so I just said, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta enter into Abby and her life and what she's doing. And so that night I said, Abby, do you mind if I come with you to the conference? I was afraid she'd go, no, dad, stay away. She said, no, no. She said, no, come with me, dad. And so the next day I, she said, are you now, are you going to wear a costume? And I'm like, uh, yes. And I, and I said, but Abby, the only costume I have at home is, is my Top Gun Maverick costume because we wore it when our church went to see Maverick. You know, so I had this top. I said, is that okay if I wear that? She said, yeah, wear that. Dad, that'd be perfect. And so, so, so Abby and I go to the Comic-Con conference. And, and you, guys, you guys, Abby's outfit, she made. She spent two months making it. She crocheted it. This, was, this is Abby. She made a Pokemon bird. And, and she was this Pokemon bird. It's crazy what she can do. So she made this bird, and then the two of us are going. This is the two of us, the next one. This is me and Abby at the Comic-Con conference. <laughs> Crazy. And so this is, this is us going in there. And you guys, the next five hours were beautiful. It was five hours of, of people encouraging each other and stopping. They stopped Abby so many times saying, I love your costume. Can I take a picture of it? And they're saying, this is so, how long did it take you to make it? And, and she, Abby found her people. Look at this woman that, that she found, another crocheter. And so the two of them crocheted those things. And they're talking about what needles they used or whatever. I think it's, it's not needles. It's hooks. 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 Yes, she used hooks, um, not needles. They shouldn't use needles on a crochet. Um, but she, so she, so she found her people. The grin on her face was huge. You guys, this was heaven and earth moments coming together. This, these people were so loving and encouraging and Abby was in her world and I got to see it. These were heaven and earth moments coming together and I almost missed it. I almost missed it for a couple of reasons. I almost missed it because I felt super insecure because I was in a world that I didn't get. I was worried that my Top Gun outfit was the wrong outfit to wear at this Comic-Con convention. Someone came up to me in the middle of the line and said, nice cosplay. And I turned to Abby and I said, what did he mean by that? 
is, is this wrong? And she goes, dad, he liked your costume. I said, he wasn't being sarcastic. And she goes, no, he liked your costume. And it's like all the insecurity was in me going, no, he didn't. Nice cosplay, you idiot. That's what I thought he was saying, but it wasn't. I almost missed it for that. I almost missed it because I was afraid I would disappoint you guys. It was a Sunday. I wasn't preaching that Sunday, but I'm supposed to be here. This is my job. And I thought, I got to be at church. And I was so afraid I'd be disappointing you that I thought maybe I shouldn't go. And then I thought about each one of you individually that I know, and you'd be going, are you kidding me? Go be with your daughter. That's what you'd be saying. Some of you would. Uh, and, and, but, but in the end, I go, I have to let that go. You guys, there are all kinds of reasons that we miss the heaven and earth moments. Sometimes it's because we're too busy. Sometimes it's because we're just not paying attention. Sometimes it's stuff on the inside, insecurities, disappointments, hurts and pains, things that we're carrying, worry that we're going to disappoint somebody else. There's things on the inside that can keep us from seeing the beauty of what God is doing as heaven is touching this earth. We miss that sometimes. And today I want to talk about the inside stuff. We've talked about the front porch of what we've been calling the in-between, this heaven and earth moments. And we've talked about the front porch of the in-between, the in. And we've talked about the living room. Today we're going to talk about the garage. Today we're going into the garage where we store and pile up things that we're not even intending to pile up. Piles of guilt and disappointment and disillusionment, anger and frustration and all those things that sit in that garage that affect how we see God and what God is doing. And so we're going to dig into that a little bit more today. God, I pray that you would help us as we walk through this. God, help us to take the shovel out today and start digging a little bit deeper into what's going on deeply inside. Help us to understand that more so that in the end, we can walk this road with a clear picture of you at work and that we'd see it, recognize it, and find great joy in it. So speak to us today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to look at a passage of scripture that we have, we, that many people that have been around church for a long time will have recognized. Okay, so if you haven't, if you haven't been in the Bible, you won't recognize this, but for those of you that have, you will recognize it. And back in the 80s and 90s, when I was in the formative years of my faith, Every passage of scripture was made into a song. And so then you just knew it also as a song too. And, and so some of you might recognize this as a song. But listen to, this, listen to this passage from Psalm 51. It says this, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. You guys, that passage... Psalm 51 was one that was, was one, of the, one of the formational passages for me and my faith. It was made into a song that I could actually play on the keys right now. Um, Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Come on, you guys know that. I'm not going to make you sing it. You, that, 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 those words, create me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me, cast me out away from your presence, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Those were inspiring words. Yeah, God, I want that clean heart, inspiring words. But when you really dig into this passage, these are raw words, raw words of confession of stuff that's going on, on the inside that it's affecting my decisions on the outside. 
These are words from David. The Bible tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. The Bible tells us that he, was, he, that he was upright and he would do it the right way. David made the right decisions. David was fully aware of heaven and earth coming together, the, the heaven and earth moments. David was aware of those. When he conquered Goliath, that was a heaven and earth moment. He got that courage as heaven and earth come together, the courage to stand before the giant and take him down. See, that was a heaven and earth moment. David and Jonathan, when you see scripture talking about the friendship that David had with Jonathan, that's heaven and earth moments coming together. When you see, when you see many of the Psalms that David wrote, because there's, there's different Psalms that David wrote, some that other people wrote. When the ones that David wrote, you see heaven and earth coming together in the way he is praising God for what he sees on this earth. So David was fully aware of that. But he also knew that there was another part, internal things that kept him from seeing heaven and earth. Internal things that ultimately led to some really poor decisions. There was that day that David is, wakes up really late. All the rest of the kings are out in the battle. And David wakes up really late that day. So apathy is probably already setting in. He goes up on the roof of his, of his castle and he looks down and he sees this naked woman, Bathsheba, in a pool. Now, now a, lot of, a lot of times you'll read that and you go, and gosh, she was surprised by it. Well, unless Bathsheba just moved to the neighborhood, I'm guessing she has probably been there many times before. And David had, knows what he's doing. David gets up on that roof, sees Bathsheba in there, and he says, man, I, I want that woman. And that led to a number of one poor decision after another, the lies and the deceit that came from that. It led to him sending Bathsheba's husband off to war, knowing that he would be killed and Uriah was killed and so he could have Bathsheba. It led to him impregnating and having a baby with Bathsheba. All kinds of, of messed up stuff happened from that. And then this great moment where Nathan the prophet comes to David and just confronts him on it going, David... Every part of who you want to be as someone that is surrendered to the Lord, every, one of the, every part of that, you're missing. And, and what are you doing? And so then David comes back with this raw confession to God. And, and it's interesting because the confession isn't, I, I confess for what I did with Bathsheba, I confess for what I did to Uriah. Instead, it's, it's going, I, I, I look at what's truly going on the inside that's affecting the way I see what you're doing on the outside. And he says this, create in me a clean heart. And, remember, and when you read that, you go, and that implies, I don't have a clean heart right now, Lord. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me because I don't have a steadfast spirit within me. I keep giving in. He's saying, don't cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me, you guys. He's saying, that's what I deserve for you to cast me away. I deserve, my punishment should be that you take your Holy Spirit from me and that you're no longer present in my life. And so his, his, he's saying this from the inside out. He's going, man, I know that's what I deserve. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation because I don't have joy. And I want that. And then he's saying, and I want you to, and, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. A spirit that says, I do want to surrender my life to you. I do want my life to be, to, to be, to be, to look like what you want it to look like. I want to be able to surrender that. And so would you give me that kind of spirit 
to help me to do that. And he was, he was recognizing the stuff deep in his heart. He's going, I know that this is me and I have to surrender that to you because I want to see your heaven and earth moments. I want to participate in your heaven and earth moments. He sees that. Dallas Willard is a theologian, one of the great theologians of our time. And I was listening to, to John Orberg talking about this through the perspective of what Dallas Willard did. Dallas, Dallas wrote a book called Renovation of the Heart. And he says, look, let me, I want to describe to you the way the Bible sees our personhood and how we're put together. He, he goes to the inside and he says, let me describe to you how God sees it through his words, especially in the Old Testament, which is a really fascinating study that he did where he's going, look, when you look at the different words of the Old Testament, he says, at the core, the words that God uses at the core of who we are is our will, our heart, and our spirit. When you see those words in Old and New Testament, the will, the heart, and the spirit, he's saying that's our core. And at the will, the heart, and the spirit, at that place, we think of the heart as where our emotions come from. He's going, no, the way the Bible sees the heart, this is the core place where our values are established, where our decision-making happens, where we see the yeses and the noes, where we decide our yeses and noes of what, we, of what we value in our life. This is where our creativity comes from. That's at the core. So when you read scripture and you read about the will, he's going, that's the core of who we are, okay? And so from that core, we want that aligned with God. We want our core, our will, our heart, our spirit to be aligned with God right there. And so when he says, created me, a, new, a clean heart, he's going, go right to the core, okay? So he's saying that, that's the core. And then from that, we want that core, if it's aligned with God, to inform our mind. That's the next circle. And so our mind, you guys, our mind is where all of our, all of our thoughts come from and our feelings come from. The, the, the mind is, is, is where our memories and our experiences come from. And sometimes our experiences are really good and sometimes they're really bad, but our experiences and our thoughts and our feelings, those all are coming from the mind. And we want our will, our heart, our spirit to inform what's happening in our, in, in our circumstances, our experiences. And then he goes out from there and he says, and the next part is our body. And our body is where the habits and appetites come from. The body is, 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 the re, is the response to all that's happening on the mind and all that's happening from our will. So he says, when you see those words in scripture, that's what it's talking about. And so what, what we're trying to do is we want those to be integrated, okay? We want, our, we want our hearts, our spirit, our will to inform our mind, to inform our bodies. And when those are informed, then we're able to then live out this world, live in this world, see what God is doing and respond to what God is doing because it's all integrated. But here's the deal. Many times it becomes disintegrated. It becomes disintegrated. Where all of a sudden the mind is, is we're, we're responding to our emotions or responding to our experiences and the mind starts to inform our bodies and it compromises the will. This is why the will can get so fatigued. 
Because our mind and our body compromise the will because now all of a sudden what was integrated becomes disintegrated. Your body starts making decisions. And so you're, so you're going, wait, that's not what I wanted. That, was, that, does, that goes against all of who I am. But it makes, it's disintegrated. Instead of us, instead of it working from will to mind to body, it's going mind and body are now defining a will that is now fatigued or compromised. That's disintegrated. And when it gets disintegrated, it affects how we then interact with other people. So take this for example. You wanna be a great spouse. And so your will is saying, man, I just want to be a great spouse. I'm going to be the very best spouse that, that, that my husband or wife deserves. And so that's where you set out. But maybe you and your spouse disconnect and you're, you're not seeing each other, seeing eye to eye with each other. You're just kind of ships passing in the wind. You're not talking to each other very well. You're arguing a lot. Sarcasm has become a key part of your relationship. And the next thing you know, you're just fighting a lot and your mind starts to go, you know what, is this worth it? Your mind starts to say, I don't know if I'm going to give um, all I can to this because it's just too hard. So your mind starts to do that and then your body responds and that's, you start giving in to pornography or you start, you start hanging out with that, that other person at work because they listen to you and your spouse doesn't. And so now all of a sudden your body's doing things that you're going, wait a minute, this is so far from what my will, what I really wanted. That's disintegration. I mean, the word disintegrate is a separation of all parts and it becomes disintegrated. That's, that's, that's a, a simple way to think about it is your diet. In your, in, if you think about your diet, you know, you go, I just want to be healthy. That's, a, that's right in the heart. That's a decision I'm making at the will of who I am. And, and then you walk outside and you smell McDonald's across the parking lot. And you're going, dang, that smells so good. And you just go eat. The, you go have McDonald's for every day for a week. I mean, this is just a hypothetical. Um, and so you got McDonald's every day for a week. And then all of a sudden you start to go, why do I keep sabotaging myself? I guess that's just who I am. I sabotage myself and that's your mind working. And now all of a sudden your will is compromised. Do you see how that's all disintegrated? That's what was happening with David. He's going to create me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. He's going to renew a spirit that, 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 will, that, will, that will coincide with your will, Lord. Help me to learn, surrender. Because man, when your will is fatigued, the one thing that doesn't fatigue your will is surrender. Help me to surrender. He's, he's begging God. I gotta, I gotta get this back aligned again. I gotta get this back integrated again. Because he knows when it doesn't happen, it affects everything around him. He, he misses so much of what God is doing. I mean, I, when, I was, when I was coaching baseball, you guys, I was, when I was coaching Sammy and, and all those guys in baseball, my son for seven years, there, I was also going through a season of life that was massive stress in my life, all kinds of stressful stuff. And so I was going to baseball practice and I coached high school baseball up in Washington. And so I was going to these fifth graders and I'm going, you know, there were days where I just started hitting balls to third base a little harder than I normally would. And it's because I, and it was because of the, the, just the other things that I was carrying that had nothing to do with baseball. There was one day where one of the guys in center field did something and I called him out, called, called him out and went 
went to him and said, quit being a prima donna. And he goes, coach, I have no idea what a prima donna is. And I said, yeah, neither do I, but it sounds good. Now quit being that prima donna. You guys, Michael McCrudden's in the back and he coached with me. And, and there were days that Michael would pull me aside and just go, Bill, they're in fifth grade. And, and it's like, I know, but I got this thing happening over here. And you go, that's disintegrated. And do you see how I miss, if my ultimate desire was that I would have a positive impact on the lives of these kids, that way more than coaching them and making them all college baseball players. If I just wanted to have a positive influence on them and yet my mind and my body was dealing with all kinds of internal things, I miss the, what I really want in my will and I miss those heaven and earth moments daily and practice with my own son. Nonetheless, all the rest of them. That's, that's, that's what happens when, our, when we're disintegrated. Well, here's the deal, you guys. We have hope. We have hope because Jesus comes into the picture. We have hope because of what, what Eugene Peterson in the message paraphrases in John chapter 1 when he says, God moved into the neighborhood. When God moves into the neighborhood, he comes to our lives. He knocks on our door and he says, hey, can we go out in the garage? You got things out there. You got piles of, of worry you got piles of disillusionment, piles of anger. And that pile of anger is affecting how you're interacting with other people. That pile of anger and frustration and impatience with the way they're living their life as a Christian is making you, when you go to them and have a conversation with them, only argue. And all you want to do is win the fight. And you're missing the heaven and earth moments. And Jesus is going, can I have access to your soul? Now there's a new word, soul. You guys, we think of the word soul as, as that kind of imaginary ghostly thing that lives inside of us. And when we die, our bodies rot in a grave, but the soul floats off to heaven. Uh, it, it, John Orberg calls it the Looney Tunes version of the soul. It's, you know, when, when Daffy Duck dies and his, and his little ghost floats off into heaven and, and then Bugs Bunny God, because it meets him there in heaven at the pearly gates. We, we picture that, don't we? Don't we kind of picture that? I call it the Patrick Swayze version of the soul because 30 years ago they came out with that movie Ghost and here I'm gonna, I'm gonna ruin it for you guys, but come on, it's been 30 years. But at the end of it, when Patrick Swayze dies and he says to Demi Moore, ditto, I love you. And then he rides that escalator into heaven. <laughs> we laugh, but do we also think of that? That's us. That's the soul. This kind of, ghostly thing within us that that's what's eternity that's what we get for eternity is is that the soul you guys is mentioned 700 times in just the old testament and the word for soul is nefesh and that word literally means the throat but it also means when when the hebrew people when the jewish people thought about the, the, the nefesh, they said it's not only what goes in the, the throat, but then it's all, it becomes all of who you are. So the soul encompasses everything. When you, when you read in the Old Testament word, the word soul, it's like, this is all of you. Your mind, your spirit, your will, your body, your heart, all of that put together is the nefesh. The writer of Psalm 42 says, says, as the deer pants for the water, so my nefesh longs after you. 
so my soul longs after you. When we die, when Jesus died and rose from the grave, it wasn't some imaginary force that was out there or some ghost. It was Jesus. Heart, mind, will, body, our soul. And Jesus has come to restore and redeem our souls, to make it integrated, to see it connected to what God is doing. That's what Jesus come to do in our lives. This is why he says in, in Mark 8, this is why he says, what good is it? What good is it to gain the world yet forfeit your soul? Because you see what he's saying here? He's saying, what good is it to get all the great things that happen in the world, but forfeit the, the integration of my will and my mind and my body together in what God wants for me? You know, he's, he's going, you, you, you found the great job. You're making a ton of money. Yeah, you're not getting to see your kids at all. And, and yeah, you're, you're giving your wife or your, your, your husband your C game instead of your A game because your job demands your A game. Yeah, you've, you've figured that out so that you, your kids can have money for, for college. And so you, you have conquered the world peace. But what good is that when you forfeited the things that your will really truly wanted? And, and so, so he's saying, can I work on that? Can I step into, can I step into your, your garage? Step into those places of, of worry and going, how is that now informing your will instead of your will informing your worry? Your places of guilt, how is that, how is that instead of your guilt informing your will instead and informing your body, instead we're gonna say, no, I want my will to inform the, this pile? Can I step in your garage and meet you in all of these different places and start doing some really, really great work in there? Jesus is saying, let's do some work to restore your soul and get it so right that you're ready to see it on the outside. See, that's, that's what he does. And he steps into that garage and here's what we have to remember. When he steps into a garage and it is our pile of worry, or it's our pile of guilt. We got to remember two things. We got to remember he is a transcendent God and he is an intimate God as he steps into our soul and does soul work. He is a transcendent God. We got to remember that sometimes we think of Jesus as, oh, it's just Jesus in my garage. We got to think of him as the transcendent God. The Old Testament talks about the kabod. The, the kabod is, is, uh, is, is, the, the, the weight, the greatness, the eminence, the power, the authority, the awesome majesty of God. That's what's in our garage. The kabod is in our garage. The kabod is, is, is going, I'm, I'm, I'm there at the garage and, and, I'm, and, and this power is here. And if we don't recognize the power that is, that is God in our garage, we will never trust that he will actually handle some of the things that's on our soul that's affecting the way we see our life. If we, don't, if we don't recognize that on that pile of guilt is grace and mercy, but it's far beyond anything we could possibly picture on our own. If we see that, that grace and mercy, that is, that is the, this powerful God that is saying, I'm so much more than what you expect for grace and mercy. And now that's speaking into that pile. And then we also got to recognize that he is intimate. Brandon Manning says he is here in his mysterious nearness. 
Can you imagine John writing down what Jesus said when he said, make your home in me as I'm mine in you. That there is this mysterious, beautiful nearness. And if we don't see that, we don't believe he cares about each one of those piles to help us sort out the clutter on our souls. A year and a half ago, you guys know that fire happened. And, and ever since then, for that, since then, I've been processing that with all of you guys. And I, I get some crap every once in a while from some of you going, why do you keep talking about that? And the reason why I do is because it's soul matters. Because, because when that happened, piles were in my garage. Disappointment, disillusionment, frustration, anger, um, um, just fear of the unknown of what's this mean, loss. There were so many different piles that happened from that fire that I'm going, dang it. What, all of that, if I let that win and the, the, my, my mind wrap around those things and it shows in my body, then how will I ever see God coming to us? How will I ever see the heaven and earth moments? If, if that's what is winning. But I've told Wit this a number of times, our worship pastor here, I've told Wit a number of times that her influence in my life over the last year and a half has been extremely powerful because the songs that she sings up here in front and leads us in worship has helped remind me that there is a transcendent and there is an intimate God that's at work on those things on my heart that's helping to align my soul. She sang the very first Sunday after that fire, the goodness of God. And I bawled that and I've told her every time she sings that song in here, don't look at me, I'm in a corner just weeping again. Because what I know is instead of saying, Jesus, where are you in the midst of all the crap that just happened over the last year and a half? Instead of saying, where are you? I know he's doing some serious work in a garage. I know he's in there just going, hey, you might not be, you might be apathetic and going on your own, but I'm at work in your garage. I'm, I'm working with each of those piles. Now there's a new pile that's forming right now. This new pile of anxiety that I've got because we got new stuff. Our house is up. We got the keys for it last week. It was, I mean, we, it was so great. A year and a half later, we got our house up, but we, we are, we are, our insurance, yeah, I mean, it is, it's really cool. But our, but our insurance and our, and our, and our, um, and, and, and our, and how much we had to pay to rebuild the house is such a big difference that we have to sell the house. So now we're trying to put it up for sale. So we're putting our house up for sale and we're going to have to move in the next, in the next six weeks to eight weeks. And, and, and in the middle of that, um, my, my daughter's husband, it was, was laid off and, and his unemployment's running out. And so we're really worried about that. My son's having a baby and we're really worried. And, and he wants us to help them with that. At the same time, Jackie's mom, it was in the ICU you for a week and now and she's struggling with both uh, diabetes issues and dementia issues and they're talking about assisted living and how that's going to work and that pile just keeps getting bigger and on top of all of that my daughter Maggie that's is finally saying to me it's time for for me to go live the adventure Uh, me and two friends are going to go live in Boston and so she's going to pack up and move and don't let me get started don't let me get started because because um because she's my princess and, and, and it's like, wait, you're not supposed to leave. Everyone can leave, you're not supposed to leave. And so all of that is together. And I know that if that pile of worry is what defines my, and informs my mind, and informs my body, I will not see heaven and earth moments. My will is compromised. 
And I got to know that Jesus is at work right there. I got to know that he's doing some really hard work on my soul. Well, how do we do it, you guys? How do we do it? How do we bring these together? Man, this is where we got to go instead of training. We got instead of trying, we got to train. See, we can grit our teeth and try. I want my will to be conformed to God's will. We can grit our teeth and try, but that just fatigues our will. We got to train. And it's why you pick up a Bible. You don't pick it up because you have to or you're checking some box. You pick it up because it's the words of life. And it helps us to see God. And it helps us to see what he really wants. And it starts to integrate our will with his. And we start to see our minds being transformed. Don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world. And you start to see the patterns of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We start to see it. We start seeing our body and then that brings it out to help us to see somebody else and to walk with them and to see heaven and earth coming together. It's not trying, it's training. It's getting together with other people and saying, I got blind spots. Will you help me with my blind spots so we can see it and we can grow and we see integration instead of disintegration. And you might say, but what if I'm already disintegrated? What if I'm already all messed up and there's clutter on my soul? There's things we can do there too. Gordon McDonald is an author mentor of mine. And he says, he says, Bill, he, he, we got, Jackie and I got a chance to talk to him and Gail one day. And Gordon says, Bill, you need to start journaling again. Because he said, journaling cleans the clutter off your soul. Because it identifies, here's what my mind is thinking. Here's where my body is winning. Here's what my will wants. Sometimes we don't even know, but we got to write it down so we can start to see what's really going on. You messed up? You feeling messed up? Start writing it down. What is it that you want? What's at the core? What's the will? How much is that being compromised by the mind and the body winning? He says, start journaling that. Go see somebody, find a mentor in your life, see a counselor, see a therapist. I am so big on therapy and counseling because you know what therapists and counselors can do? They can go to a level that's a little bit below where you're at. They can go to levels three and four where you're living on one and two saying, I think I'm right. The psychiatrist mentor that I had in my life for 25 years, Jim Rabin, he would always go to levels three and four with me. I went to him one day just saying, you know, Jackie and I, are, we're, we're disconnecting and, I'm frustrated with Jackie around something. And he just goes, Bill, that's your mind and body talking. Let's go down to the, your will. What do you want? You want to be a better husband? Go tell her that you want to be a better husband. He brings it to that level. And then we got to do what, what David did. We got to pray. We got to confess. We got to be honest with God and just say, God, here's the layers. And here's where I'm, I'm compromising. And here's where my mind and body are winning. I want to surrender it to you. Create me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. I want to surrender it to you. And that's the training. And I don't know about you, but for me, I don't want to miss out on the heaven and earth moments coming together. All I know is I got two months left before, I got two months left before Maggie goes. 
and it's going to be so hard for Jackie and I when she's gone. We love it that she's gone. We love it. It's, it's, this is life, and we love it that she is. I got two months left. And if I let this pile of worry over the house and whether it sells, and the pile of worry over finances, and the pile of worry over other things, if I let that pile of worry win, then I'm going to miss out on every heaven and earth moment that I still get with Maggie for these next two months. I'm going to miss out on that. And God, I want to pray that you would align my spirit with yours. Help me to see the goodness and the transcendent and the intimate God that's meeting me on my soul. Taking care of some piles, walking with me in some piles so that when that surfaces, I get to see the beauty of who you are. I get to see it with my children. I get to see it with my wife. I get to see it with you guys. I get to see it with someone I like and someone I don't like. God, help me to see it that way. Father, I pray that, that, that as we dig deeply, we recognize that you've already dug deeply. You're already there. You've already moved into the neighborhood. You're already on our souls. You're already doing powerful work. And God, I pray that we'd recognize, recognize the transcendent power that you have and the intimacy that you have and that you work on those things. And God, we pray that we would do the training that's needed so that, so that our hearts, our minds, our will is aligned and surrendered to you, that that would then inform our minds inform our bodies and God help us to see the beautiful, powerful moments where heaven and earth touch. Help us, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.